Poker, All the Games, is a podcast that introduces listeners to more than 20 variations of poker. Each episode will highlight one game, as well as dive into any controversial news in the poker world. We know why you're here. Because you love poker as much as we do. Now introducing your host, Sean Griegas. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Poker All the Games. This is episode 35 of Poker All the Games, where we will discuss Badoogie High Low, a split pot game where the high hand gets half of the pot and the low hand gets the other half. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the northeast coast of the United States, along with co-host Martin, who joins us from Malta. Since Martin and I share a fondness for mixed poker games, each of us has written a book on mixed poker, and we also enjoy trying new beers. So we'll be starting off today's show as we do each episode with me reviewing a beer from the U.S. and Martin reviewing one from Europe. So sit back, grab a beer, as long as you're not driving, and enjoy our beer review and subsequent discussion of mixed poker games. I'm pouring a Mandarin and Mango Crush from Dogfish Head Brewery in Delaware. Now, they call this a fruit and field beer. We can all understand a fruit beer, and we'll see if this beer fits that style. But what the heck is a field beer? Well, leave it to Dogfish Head to make shit up. Anyway, back to the beer. Let's have a smell. Uh, There's a fruity brightness to the nose, an herbal lemon, orange, sweet tangerine, you know, mandarin and mango notes. Let's have a look. This beer pours a hazy golden yellow with a thin white head of foam that's dissipating rather quickly. And now for the best part. Let's have a taste. Mm. Following the nose, there are a nice balance of citrus notes, tangerine, green apple, uh, maybe a not fully ripened mango. So it seems like the the citrus notes are, I don't know, I'd say they're, they're not real ripe from what I'm getting. And I'll, uh, I'll go on to explain that in a little while, uh, why that might be happening. There's also some... A little bit of grain and crackery malt taste in there as well. There's a light mouthfeel with medium-low carbonation. Dogfish Head's Mandarin and Mango Crush is a great beer for a warm summer day out in a field, maybe? (laughs) I'm just trying to fit the field beer style, which really isn't even a style somewhere in there, and it's, it's a bit of a stretch. This beer is not overly sweet and really not much sweetness at all, and I think that's why... I'm saying I'm getting sort of a, a, almost a young fruit taste, almost like it's the fruit isn't sort of fully fermented, fully uh, ripened, and so not much sweetness at all, which I actually enjoy and makes this quite quaffable for 6.0% ABV. And I could see how you could keep drinking these down before realizing you might be lost in that field. <laughs> okay, anyway, enough of the field jokes. I'm going to sit back and continue to enjoy this one while Martin describes what beer he has for us. So Martin, which beer are you bringing us from Europe today? Oh, I found another nation that I hadn't previously reviewed a beer from on this podcast, and that's France. 
This beer is called Champ Libre, and it's from a brewery called Dahlia, which I think is in Paris. Um, it's described as a blonde non-filtre. Uh, so I've put it out and smell it. It smells like a lager, actually. It doesn't mention the word lager on the bottle, but it smells like a lager. Um, a bit of, uh, so you might call it medium carbonation, I think. it's uh, There's some bubbles there rising to the surface and a bit of a head of foam on the top. Um, looks good. Nice sort of uh, slightly opaque amber colour. Let's have a taste. Yeah, it's pretty refreshing. Mildly spicy, I think. Um, quite a lively flavour. Uh, what's the alcohol by volume? That's just 5.8%, so not too strong. Um, back to where I was a couple of episodes ago when it wasn't such a strong lager. But, uh, oh, sorry, not such a strong beer. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a nice tasty one. It's a Nice summer evening beer served nice and chilled, I think. Cheers, yeah, Sean. Similar to, yep, salute, Martin. Very similar to the one that I'm drinking and I just reviewed and uh, 6%. So we perchance got very similar beers and uh, similar ABVs t today. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Remember that our focus here is non-hold'em poker, specifically for anyone interested in trying their hands at mixed games and are those looking to try different variations of poker, whether you're a dealer, player, or card room manager. We define the rules, the play, and easy-to-remember basic strategy tips to get you started in the mixed poker game arena. Today's episode will be covering Badoogie High-Low. Martin, why don't you walk us through this game of Badoogie High-Low? Padoogie High Low is a fascinating game and it's quite hard to realise that until you actually play it. The nuances are really interesting. Um, more about that later. First time I played this and first time I heard of it was at Resorts World Las Vegas in June 22 when I played in the 816 mix that's also known as Coach's Game. It's a draw game. It's best played fixed limit. Pot limit would really ruin some of those aspects of the game that I alluded to that make it quite interesting and very different to a lot of other poker games. So, yeah, I recommend fixed limit. It's dealt in exactly the same way as standard Badoogie, which you covered in episode 13 of this podcast, Sean. As far as rankings are concerned, it's exactly the same as Badoogie. We need four unsuited unpaired cards but there's a high element and a low element so potentially two parts usually two parts actually at showdown but it is possible for hands to scoop and we'll talk about that more later let's get into dealing the game first of all the small and big blind will be posted by the two players to the left of the dealer button the dealer will then give four cards in turn face down to each player one at a time in a clockwise fashion and after that there's a betting round which starts with the person to the left of the big blind. After the completion of the betting round it's the first chance for the players to draw cards. They can draw none 
which is also known as standing pat, or any number up to four cards. If they've been putting money in and drawing four cards, you're in a good game. After that betting round, there's then a second draw. Again, zero to four cards can be drawn by each player. And that's followed by a bet, which is at a bigger limit. The third draw follows that. And then the final betting round, also in the bigger limit. And that's followed by showdown. As I said before, there are two pots, one high and one low. Any four card Badoogie beats any three card Badoogie for both high and low. But if the showdown is between two hands that are four cards, or two or more hands, and also if there's a showdown between two or more hands that are three cards, then we need to compare the strength of the hands to find out which is the best high and the best low. Aces count both high and low, so they're very good to have in your hand. The low pot is standard Badoogie basically, so the nuts is 4, 3, 2, Ace, where all four suits are represented. When you look at the high pot, you're counting from the lowest card upwards. So with the low pot it was 4, 3, 2, Ace because 4 is the highest card, Ace is the lowest card. With the same hand, your high hand would be 2, 3, 4, Ace. You're counting from the lowest card which is 2 to the highest card, which is ace. Remember, ace counts both high and low. Now, let me give you an example, well, two examples of showdowns to decide which are the best hands. First of all, in four-card Badoogies, where one player has ace, four, seven, eight, all four suits. Another has king, ten, nine, seven, all four suits. And a third player has queen, jack, four, two, all four suits. Well, the first player has an eight low, eight seven four ace, and a four high, four seven eight ace. The second player has a king low, king ten nine seven, and a seven high, seven nine ten king. The third player has a queen low and a two high, queen jack four two, two four jack queen. So the lowest of those cards the high cards in each of those four hands is the eight held by the ace four seven eight so the eight seven four ace will take the low pot the lowest of the high cards is the seven so the seven nine ten king will take the high pot the queen jack four two has a queen low losing to the eight low and a two high losing to the seven high now that's a four card showdown. Imagine now if the same three sets of cards only have three card Badoogies, so each have a duplicated suit in their hand. So the first player has ace of clubs, four of spades, seven of diamonds, eight of spades. Their low is a seven low, using the seven, four and ace. But for the high, they will use the eight of spades instead of the four of spades, making a seven high, seven eight ace. The second player has king of spades, ten of clubs, nine of hearts, seven of spades. Their high is nine ten king, using the king of spades. Their low is ten nine seven, using the seven of spades. The third player has the queen of diamonds, jack of clubs, four of hearts, two of hearts. Their high 
is four jack queen using the four of hearts their low is queen jack two using the two of hearts the result is the same the ace eight seven four will still win the low pot with their seven low and the king ten nine seven will still win the high pot with their nine high they are tri tris badoogies three card badoogies so there's a three card seven low and a three card nine high interestingly if somebody only has a three card badoogie a tris because they have a pair in their hand this the pair means that the two badoogies are exactly the same so for example somebody with three three ace five will use an ace a three and a five assuming that there, are, that there are three different suits involved we use an ace a three and a five to make both the high and the low so it'll be a three high and a five low tris over to you sean any questions so the play itself of Badugi high low is fairly straightforward as it's the same as you know the play is the same as Badugi from uh, as you mentioned episode 13 um, and the showdown for the low side is obviously the same. Um, it's the high side showdown that might be a bit confusing. So let's let's review that for our listeners. So sure. the low side is, uh, as you mentioned, still, you know, it's got to be rainbow, four different suits, um, unpaired and unsuited, basically, because that's what makes a Badoogie game. So the half of the pot that goes to the high must still follow those rules but it's a little bit confusing. It's the lowest of the, I'm going to mix it. I feel like I'm going to mix it up here. You know, it's the lowest of the highest the cards in your hand. It's the highest of the low cards. Sorry. Okay. I knew I was going to mix it up. Yeah. It's the highest of the lowest. Yes. The lowest card in your hand that determines your high hand. And if that card is higher than the opponent's lowest card in their hand, then you win the high half. Right, the highest of the low. See, so if you have dyslexia or you're mildly dyslexic, like maybe myself here, it's you could get it mixed up very easily. <laughs> you could, but if if you if you think of it this way, when you count the low hand, you're counting from the highest card down, and so with the low hand, which we tend to be used to this concept now, the person with the lowest high card is the winner. When you're now looking the other way around and you're looking for a high hand you count from the low card upwards and the highest of those low cards is the winner and then okay. if there's a tie the next card on from there is uh, is the one that determines the, the the winner so if there were the low you know if for example it was fours then you would go to the next one say that two players both had a four then you would go to the next card yeah precisely yeah Four, six, eight, nine beats four, five, ten king, because the four and the five are lower than the four and the six. Okay, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gets even more confusing with a tie, my goodness. <laughs> the example I just gave is interesting because it illustrates a scoop. Uh, if those two cards, two hands go to showdown, the four, six, eight, nine clearly has the better low because you're looking nine downwards. Yeah. And then the four, five, did I say 10 king? The, the low is very weak. It's a king low. But the high is also quite weak. But it's a 4-5 nine 
the other ones are four six. If you look at it that way, it, it, it's quite interesting to see that a hand can scoop, even though you're looking at potentially. You, you, you may be thinking that um, if you're going one way, then the other person must be going the other. Actually, depending on the spread of your cards, the highest to the lowest, you can scoop or be scooped in a showdown. The hard part is the high side because we're used to thinking, you know, higher cards and we would, we're thinking king right away. Oh, well, I have a king. I'm, I'm doing well, you know, and yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's so true. I know we've given a few examples and I'll just give one more that may or may not be helpful to folks. So I'll give three hands here. If there's a two, five, six, seven, three, five, six, seven, and four, five, six, seven, just trying to make it easy. The four, five, six, seven would win because the four is higher than the two and three. I just made the other three cards the same just for, for ease. But even if the hand that had the deuce in it was an eight high, like let's say two, five, six, eight, that would still lose because the four, five, six, seven, uh, the, the four is higher uh, than the deuce. Correct, correct. You're getting there, Sean. You're ready to sit down Ooh, and play again wow. by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to act like I know what I'm doing. So if ever we're in a mix, uh, you know, people are going to be calling this game on me, just like they call uh, on Raz on Robbie, I guess, right? Now. <laughs> yeah. Call <laughs> the doogie me, high low on Sean. Let me just give you a test. You give me three hands there. Two five six seven, three five six seven, four five six seven. We just talked about it. We've we've worked out who wins the high. It's the four high. Who wins the low? So assuming the right, they're all four of different suits. It should be yeah. the uh, seven six five deuce. Correct. So that that's another illustration of the fact that when the the, the two cards at one end, at the important end tie. In this case, the seven. Then you look to the next one. In this case, they also tie. They're the six. You look to the next one. We tie again. That's a five. All three hands tied right. there. And then you look yeah. at, finally at the fourth card. And this is where the two uh, beats both the three and the four for the low. Yeah, I think that that would be pretty amazing, a, a three-way tie <laughs> to the fourth card. I, I'm not – the stats, the probability of that is, you know, me winning the uh, – the, there's a lottery here in the U.S. now. It's about a billion – it's a billion dollars. It's, the odds of me winning that are, are the odds of a three-way yeah. tie to the fourth Badoogie card. Although I have seen some induced to seven triple draw. I've seen some go down to the – to the fourth card on occasion. I've been in a hand going down to the yeah. third or fourth card. Yeah. Yeah. Which is always interesting. You, you know, you're like, you, I have nine, eight, yeah, seven. Yeah. What's your next card? You know, and you're just, you're gritting your teeth waiting. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite, quite common in Deuce Seven. I think not, not common in that it's seen all the time, but it's not something that would be, uh, uh, unknown to people that have played any any amount of that game. It certainly tugs at the brain strings, but uh, yeah, hopefully yeah. this podcast, uh, you may have to rewind it a few times here and there, but uh, mm. hopefully you can uh, get the gist of the game and uh, enter it up into your uh, into your mix someday. And this is definitely a, a, a tough one to get used to, but uh, certainly exciting uh, from both sides. I, are there, I guess, one question before we move on to some basic strategy tips. Um, do you see many, I mean, you probably play with players who are, somewhat versed in the game but is it 
confusing at all for play? Is there a mix up between the sort of the high or the low? Do people get confused, the dealer or the players ever um, at showdown in, in your experience? Um, now, this game isn't played frequently and it actually throws people off and it can throw some really good players off. And I actually use that to my advantage quite, not, not quite often. I was going to say quite often, but that'd be wrong. Occasionally, very occasionally, I use that to my advantage because, um, you know, if you're sitting in a tough mixed games uh, table and there are two or three players that are playing really well, they're in the zone, they know when to apply the three bets, know when to apply the pressure, making good value bets um, and not paying off your good hands. This is not a great spot to be in. And Occasionally, what I'll do when it then becomes my turn to choose a game, I'll choose this game, and we tend to play an orbit of a game. The you know person chooses a game, we play an orbit, and the next person chooses a game. So they sit there. I explain the rules, and they just cannot get their head around it. And there are different nuances to the game, and, and more about that in the strategy tips section. But those people play that orbit of Padugi High Low. They'll lose some money and they'll carry on being uh, discombobulated in the next game we play. And it could be a game that we've been playing two or three times already and they've been crushing in. They, they, they forget when they should be three betting. They forget when they should be thin value betting. They pay off your value hands. It's amazing what a psychological effect it has when you choose a game like this that completely throws good players off. Uh, they start to doubt themselves. They, they, they don't know what they should be doing anymore. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's quite an interesting psychological thing to observe, actually. Yeah, I never would have thought about that being in a in a rotation or dealer's choice game. And uh, you know, you think right, you're trying to, you know, you're not even necessarily. It depends on your strategy. You can pick games that you're strong at, or you can pick games that your opponents are weak at. And hopefully, you know, there's some overlap there. That'll be a, a big advantage for you. But I never thought about a game such as this that would just throw people off into the next round. It's like, you know, them getting on tilt in a big hand and then, you know, they just can't play after that. So I could see, you know, but I never had thought about that until you just brought that up that you could really throw people off even for the next uh the next game in the rotation. Yeah, it's it's amazing what how it switches things around. It really is. Yeah. If listeners could think about this game, maybe practice some hands, maybe they could use that tactic themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think this is even in the dealer's choice game at the World Series of Poker no, that I'm not. aware of. Okay. It's not. Where I've seen it spread is as I said in my introduction uh, Resorts World Las Vegas coaches game. I'm not even sure if it's still on the mix, but I'd be surprised if it's removed it because, like I say, it's a game that throws people off. And uh, in in that game, I think they like to take advantage of the tourists to some extent. Yeah. I, I don't want to. I don't want to overdo that because they are a fun group of people to play with. They're very welcoming, but that, there is that side to their. Uh, their mix of games, the, the rotation they have, that they, they like to put something in there that people are not going to be used to, and uh, 
they can fleece the tourists. Not <laughs> as I say, I don't yeah. want to overdo that side of it. Cause, cause right, it's, right, it's yeah. The recreational play. players, the the players yeah, that are there yeah. to you know have a good time and learn, and you know don't mind losing a little bit of money, you know, in some of the low stakes. That's why it's nice to to have these low stakes mixed games available for players because it's the only chance to play them and not lose an entire bankroll. I know we've talked about that um, on episodes uh, before, but uh, it would be interesting. I would like to see this maybe at the WSOP as part of a mix. Um, And it would be Mm -hmm. nice if they televised it or even some streamed game somewhere, because it would be nice to have some televised streamed hands uh, for some of us to just, just see the game and become a little more familiar with it. I would love to watch people playing this game. I really would. That'd be a, a really interesting game to watch. Um, yes, and I'd love to see other people blunder at trying to find the best hand. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's yeah. a fantastic right. idea, Sean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Should, so we should we'll, be ahead of we'll have to get a stream. Go. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what we can do since we're leading the uh, mixed game charge here, Martin. We're we're, we're uh, part of the charge. Yep. So, all right, enough about uh, how, you know how pick out the winning hand here for for the high side. How about some uh, beginners tips for Badugi High Low to get us started, Martin? Yes, yeah, strategy tips. First of all, don't be the mug that plays cards that are a long way apart. In the example that I gave when describing the showdown, when talking about how to play this game. Queen Jack 4-2, Badugi, was scooped by the other two hands. That's um, typical of a hand where the cards are so far apart. So if you have a starting hand that contains, say, Queen of Hearts, four of clubs, four of spades, two of diamonds. You don't just want to throw one of your fours away, you want to throw the queen away as well. Because you want to play the cards that are close together. Also note that aces are very good, because they're nutted at both ends. They don't hurt your hand in any way. I suppose really what you're looking for here is, do you have cards that hurt your hand? And uh, this where the nuances come in that people don't realise until they play are related to multi-way pots compared to heads-up pots. For example, in a heads-up pot, you're looking to have a hand something like 9-8-7-Ace because that cannot be scooped in a heads-up pot. And you can easily scoop against somebody with something like... It's maybe a 10-4-2-Ace. They started with Ace-4-2 looking for a good Lobadoogie and they found an offsuit 10 and went to showdown with that. You'll scoop that with your 7 high, 7-8-9 ace and 9 low, 9-8-7 ace against their 10 low and deuce high. But when you get heads, sorry, when you get beyond heads up and you've got a multi-way pot, you're now looking to be nutted one way or the other because 9-8-7 ace can easily be scooped by one person going for high and the third person going for low so as the hand progresses you need to think about how many people are in the pot before you decide how much you're going to put in chip wise but another nuance to that is if you have a very strong hand one way or the other you really want to go three way because your profit is going to come from the third person putting money in the pot 
if you have for example I don't know five three two ace badoogie if you heads up against somebody else with a badoogie nearly all the time it's going to be a split pot if you're a three-way you're going to be taking profit from the person that doesn't win the high because one of the other two is going to win the high so that really is how you need to base your lines on each street am i going to go for a heads up scoop attempt or a three or four way chop attempt that's the uh, strategy tips from me sean thanks martin i don't have really any uh mixed game news from the u.s uh martin do you happen to have any from europe for us or uh should we just move right into uh mixed game events yeah, let's move on. There's nothing fresh over here in Europe at the moment. It's quite quiet, quite quiet in summer, actually. Let's go over some upcoming mixed game events in the U.S. As far as mixed cash games, there's an 816 cash game that runs at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. And there are stud games, seven-card stud games, that run at Foxwoods in Connecticut and also at the Borgata in Atlantic City. The ones at Foxwoods in Connecticut seem to run through the week, several different limits uh, that run pretty much all week long. In Borgata, uh, sometimes there's a 510 game, but mostly a 2040 stud game that runs generally on the weekends uh, at the Borgata in Atlantic City. Uh, on the other coast, on the west side of the U.S., the Gardens Casino in California has a 1530 mix and a 48 Omaha 8 or better cash games as well as Big O that run. The Commerce Casino in California has some higher mixed games running at 200-400 and a 400-800, as well as a 20-40 stud and some lower limit Big O games. As far as mixed poker tournaments, I've mentioned uh, on the past few episodes the Orleans Casino in Las Vegas is continuing a mixed game tournament series. Um, throughout the summer, though they recently made a change to their upcoming schedule. Uh, go to orleanscasino.com and click the daily tournament schedule to check out uh, those changes. But it's still uh, quite a good uh, mixed game schedule there uh, throughout the summer at the Orleans Casino. There's also an upcoming Poker Go Tour in Las Vegas scheduled to run from October 5th through the 14th of 2023. Games include 8-game, 10-game, dealer's choice, horse, no limit, deuce to 7, single draw, as well as a triple draw mix. And the buy-ins are on the bigger side, um, but there are some satellites early in October, earlier that month, with buy-ins ranging from $750 to $3,200 um, to buy into some of those uh, 5 and 10 and 25K events at the Poker Go studio um, in Las Vegas. One new events, uh, mixed game event that's been scheduled um, is the Moneymaker Tour, running from Thursday, September 21st through Monday, October 2nd of 2023 now of course there's a lot of no limit hold'em but there are a few mixed game tournaments on that schedule specifically wednesday september 27th at 4 15 p.m is a 300 buy-in horse tournament with a ten thousand dollar guarantee 
the very next day, Thursday, September 28th at 4.15 p.m. is a $600 buy-in, no limit hold'em, PLO, five-card PLO mix with a $20,000 guarantee. And then the very next day, Friday, September 29th, again at 4.15 p.m. is a $300 buy-in stud tournament with a $10,000 guarantee. So those are actually, that's the Moneymaker Tour at the Hard Rock Casino in Cincinnati, Ohio. And to find a complete schedule with uh, location, date, and structure sheet, sheet, you can go to moneymakerpt.com. Click on Moneymaker Tour Dates from the top menu, and then Hard Rock Casino Cincinnati to find the complete schedule. That's what we have as far as mixed cash games and upcoming uh, mixed poker game tournaments. Martin, what events do we have for mixed game players in Europe? I haven't become aware of any more mixed games since the last podcast was recorded, Sean. So I'll just do a quick rundown of what I've already covered in previous episodes. First of all, from the 14th to the 19th of August... There's Poker SM Live, which is the Swedish Masters. Um, all the mixed games events only open to Swedish nationals. But there will be plenty of mixed games side games. Uh, I'm reliably informed. Following that, the 2nd to 9th of September, there's the Etop Cruise, which features a lot of mixed games tournaments. Sadly, I think the cruise is sold out. Following that, so well, actually overlapping with that, there's the Cool Bet Open, which is in uh, Bratislava and runs from the 4th to the 10th of September and features a number of mixed games tournaments. After that, in Tallinn, from the 14th of September to the 24th of September, there's the World Series of Poker Circuit in conjunction with Olibet events that contains a number of mixed games tournaments and that will include some ring events. After that, in Malta, the 23rd of September to the 3rd of October, there's the Party Poker Millions, which includes a couple of mixed games tournaments, an eight game and a horse. And then looking further, in Bratislava again, this is from the 27th of November to the 3rd of December. There's the festival series. Schedule's not out yet, but that is always a mixed games bonanza for fans of uh, mixed games. That's everything for now, Sean. All right, let's talk about our recent mixed game play. So I've played a couple of uh, horse tournaments on Poker Stars. Um, last episode, I described one. I played a couple more. Uh, generally, they're twenty dollars horse tournaments. I I need some more practice. I get down to the final table quite a bit, and I just I was actually in this last one. I played a couple since the last episode. Uh, this last one that I entered, I was actually had a, a decent stack, and we were. I, obviously, I didn't know at the time, but it was the last hand, and then we went into the final table, and I lost a huge pot and ended up 
probably like a middle to low stack, but I felt good. I was like, we're getting down, we're whittling down and I'm going to make the final table and have a decent stack. Cause I'm trying to fix that. I used to play tournaments quite a bit and end up, end up getting near the end and having a short stack. So I worked on some strategies to sort of fix that. And I did that here in this game. And then I just got into a big hand right before the final table and still ended up not getting there with a big stack and kind of busted out. So I'm getting down to the final table um, quite frequently, but uh, I just got to work on getting there with a big stack. And I was almost there and I I really thought I had the best hand. And I, I, I think it was either a stud or a stud high, low. Um, side and that seems to be my mo i'm losing chips in the in the stud side um but getting there with some some practice and it's tough i find on poker stars and i guess it's like that generally online the structures are so fast and it seems a lot of the players that um play i'm generally on the pennsylvania poker stars um or the new jersey poker stars but I find there's a lot of players, they just seem like they're clicking buttons. I mean, I feel like they're clicking buttons before cards are even dealt. And uh, they're, I don't see how they can see the hands. And maybe they're just that good in a $20 Poker Stars Horse Tournament. I don't know. But I don't know how they can read all the hands so quickly the way they're sort of betting. And I, I just have, it just feels to me like they're just kind of clicking. And it just comes down to a who catches cards first kind of thing. But it's really almost all I've got to play, except um, I did sign up as if you listen to our previous episode 34, um, I did sign up for the SWC poker and I am registered for some uh, mixed games on there. So I'm registered right now for the Raz tournament and the 12 game mix on uh, SWC has an upcoming, uh, it's actually running now, pokers, uh, their Bitcoin of poker series. And so I'm registered for a couple of tournaments there. So hopefully the next episode, I'll be able to uh, talk about some of my success <laughs> or some, at least uh, some of my uh, experience playing on on there. And I know Martin has had some success on SWC, so we can move over. And uh, Martin, why don't you tell us about your recent mixed gameplay? Yeah, as you say, that Bitcoin series of poker has already started and I've played two events so far. I came nowhere in the big O championship, that's five card pot limit Omaha high low. And then the next evening registered for the horse championship and uh, managed to take it down. Um, thoroughly enjoyed both tournaments. Obviously the horse one being more special, having uh, myself a bit of jewelry on your, your avatar on the site. Now, when you win that one of those tournaments, you get a bracelet avatar, which is fantastic. Um, it was a reasonably tough field. There were some regulars from SWC and there were some um, couple of players that I'd introduced to SWC that are mixed games, uh, regulars, no, no pushovers there. Um, so I feel quite proud of myself for getting to the, to the top in that one. Actually, the, on the final table, at one point I was a majorly short stack after I lost a decent-sized pot. And then uh, the tournament turned for me when I won a nice pot in a stud hand where I started with three diamonds and there were no more diamonds on the board and called a complete and then picked up a fourth diamond on the fourth street 
And again, no more diamonds on the board. So happily re-raised and got my stack in at that stage. I managed to complete my flush. And it was actually, I think, a five or six-way pot this. So it transformed me from short stack to second in chips at the time. Um, yeah, but there was, there was still no no uh, easy ride after that. I battled and battled and battled. And I found some uh, good spots in a couple of coolers as well. And, particularly against uh, another local friend of mine who's been playing SWC for a while. I, I, I picked up a, well, he, he'd gone short stacks and I picked up a pair of Kings in a limit hold'em hand and that, that crippled him for more and he was out in the next hand after that. Um, yeah, it, it went really well for me. Thoroughly enjoyed the tournament. I'm looking forward to playing some more of those. Uh, the Dromaha Championship will be... Uh, Coming up soon. It'll be out. It'll be played before this podcast comes out, but uh, that's coming up this weekend, and I'm really looking forward to that one. Apart from that, I've played only once live. My run of four written special first or second places in the uh, tournament at Portomasso Casino in Malta came to an end, and I crashed out on my second entry very, very early in the tournament. But uh, yeah, just coolers there. Nothing I could do about that. Um, yeah, so that's that's that that sums up most of my mixed games play for the last from the last couple of weeks. So you're really rubbing it in. So you're winning <laughs> big pots and stud, and I'm losing the stud, <laughs> big pots and stud over here. <laughs> yeah, like that, that's just running good. I mean. <laughs> Having three diamonds is a nice start, but seeing there's no more on the board, and there, I think there's still seven players in the tournament at this point, and seeing that it's a multi-way pot, and seeing a fourth diamond drop onto my hand, and no more on the rest of the board, and no no scary-looking boards either, nobody pairing the, the door cards in particular, um, and all the other suits represented everywhere in all the other hands, and nobody looking like they were going for a flush. So... It, 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 I, I mean, I ran good just to get that situation. It doesn't happen very often in a stud game. And then also ran good to complete the flush and take down the full pot. So, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I no, can't claim good. to be, uh, uh, to, to not have run good. But I, I, I like to think that I, I, I played uh, I played some poker along the way and, and took a match of some situations when I could. Yeah, you need a little bit of both to take down any tournament anywhere. You need some run good and you need some skill. So it, it it's about it's about having both running good and, and running hot and also knowing what you're doing to some degree. Um, and uh, yeah, it's amazing. You know, you mentioned about getting the fourth diamond uh, dropping. You know, it's always disheartening when you see that suit drop in your neighbor's uh you know on your neighbor's uh board for example and i've seen a lot of people start with you know four to a flush right off the bat or four to a straight and still not hit by seventh street and it's amazing how many times that actually happens as well yeah i mean i don't know what the uh the odds are but until you've completed the the thing it's not 100 percent. that's for sure yep which is what makes it interesting and exciting well congratulations for uh taking that down and uh on, on the avatar that's that's cool so do you have that now is that just kind of just stay with you through the series do you know or does that stay with you like forever or do you know or maybe i believe it stays with me forever 
Wow. I'm not like a bra- yeah, you're a bracelet winner, so to speak, right? Yeah, so it's yours. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm a bracelet winner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, we were talking about that on the last episode. Or, yeah. I don't know the last one or prior, yeah, where you uh, you got to hold some some actual jewelry and now you have some virtual jewelry. So you're, you're, you're inching your way there. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, bit by bit. <laughs> yes. If you want to learn more about mixed games, Martin and I have each written a book. Head over to Amazon for my book, Poker, All the Games, a comprehensive introductory guide to mixed games. There you can read the rules and basic strategy for each of 23 mixed poker games, as well as other chapters on why mixed games provide a better edge than hold'em, and other things like health and wellness, um, which are important not only in life, but also in playing this game of poker. Martin, why don't you tell us about your ebook? Yeah, my ebook is called Pop Limits Vitan Special. It's also available on Amazon. It's about one specific game. It's a European version of Dromaha. Uh, it takes you right through from the very basic how to deal and play the game, what the rules are, through the starting hands, every different type of starting hand, all the odds for completing your hands, both the draw hand and the Omaha hand. It takes you through the pre-flop, flop, draw, turn and river stages. It also gives you a quiz section near the end, which can uh, question you your uh, awareness of how well you've learned how to play the different betting rounds and how to decide which cards to draw. And then there's a, there's a section at the very end which goes through a few other variations of Svit and Special or Dromaha that I had played at, at that point when I'd written the book. And I'm also working on the hard copy. No ETA on that at the moment, but uh, that is in, in work in progress. You can follow me on Twitter at P-O-K-R all the games it's poker at poker all the games but there's no e in poker because it's too many letters for twitter or subs and or subscribe at pokerchannel.substack.com and when you see our um on twitter we post these uh episodes and or if you go to uh, substack and subscribe there uh hit the like button for us send a subscribe um to pokerchannel.substack.com and you can also follow martin at go ahead martin okay my handle is on both twitter and substack is poker for leisure or poker for leisure p-o-k-e-r the number four l-e-i-s-u-r-e so on twitter it's poker for at poker for leisure and on substack it's poker for leisure.substack.com well, that's all for episode 35, Padoogie High Low. Join us again in three weeks for episode 36, where we will discuss Stud High Low Regular, which is different from Stud 8 that was discussed in episode 6. Thank you for listening to Poker All the Games. Thanks to Ricky Snyder for music and sound. Be sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast, Poker All the Games so you never miss an episode. Until then, may your hands be huge, your cards fill both high and low, and scoop as many pots as you can. Mm-hmm.